0: The Hamas terrorist group calls for supporters to mobilize today, calling on them to send a message of anger around the globe. U.S. cities are on high alert.
1: A harrowing moment caught on camera. A staff member of the Israeli embassy in China stabbed on a sidewalk. We have the latest on the attack.
0: U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says the Pentagon is ready to provide military aid to Israel. We have more on his ongoing visit to Tel Aviv.
1: The former special envoy to Iran, possibly compromising classified information. House Republicans now want to investigate. This comes in light of Hamas's attacks on Israel.
0: With Representative Steve Scalise out of the race for House Speaker, who's next? And what is Scalise saying about his reverse course after narrowly winning the Republican nomination?
1: United Auto Workers President Sean Fain updating union members on walkouts this morning. He says strikes are entering a new phase.
0: Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers.
1: And I'm Stephanie Cox. We have insights and perspectives
0: on the stories shaping our world.
1: Breaking news, in-depth analysis and inspiration to power your day. Now for the top stories.
0: The Hamas terrorist group has declared that today is a day of general mobilization and called for a global jihad against Israel and Jews.
1: A former leader of the Hamas delivered the message in a recorded statement to Reuters earlier this week.
0: The message from Khaled Mashal called for action from the Arab and Islamic world as well as worldwide. He called on supporters to join in the fight and deliver a message of anger.
1: Mashal emph- emphasized that countries bordering Israel should especially take action. Robert Greenway of the Heritage Foundation said, quote, "It is an unambiguous global call to arms. It will be heated. There will be blood." Unquote.
0: AMID THAT CALL FOR MOBILIZATION, MAJOR CITIES, INCLUDING NEW YORK, ARE RAMPING UP SECURITY MEASURES TODAY.
1: THIS COMES AS PROTESTS ARE PLANNED OVER THE ISRAEL-HAMAS WAR. HERE ARE THE DETAILS.
0: NEW YORK AUTHORITIES ON
2: THURSDAY ADDRESSED CONCERNS OVER PUBLIC SAFETY AS PRO-ISRAEL AND PRO-PALESTINIAN PROTESTERS STAGE RALLIES. THEY SAY THEY ARE AWARE OF SOCIAL MEDIA POSTS BY RADICAL GROUPS CALLING FOR "quote A DAY OF GLOBAL RAGE ON FRIDAY IN SUPPORT OF THE PALESTINIAN CAUSE.
3: We want to be clear that there are currently no credible or specific threats against our city, but we must remain vigilant. We have directed the NYPD to deploy additional resources to our schools
2: and houses of worship to ensure that New Yorkers are safe. The NYPD is also stepping up patrols in key neighborhoods. On the state level, Governor Kathy Hochul said they fully activated New York State Police, among other agencies.
4: We have the resources of the New York National Guard and our Joint Task Force Empire Shield ready to be activated. The National Guard is already directed to patrol key transportation hubs. We've been in contact with the MTA, the Port Authority, to ensure that they also have heightened their security measures. Our Hate Crime Task Force is on high alert and will help investigate disturbing incidents as necessary.
2: In Washington, D.C., Capitol Police and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms are also ramping up security in preparation for the so-called Global Day of Rage. They say they are deploying additional officers to the Capitol and parts of the Capitol will be accessible only to members of Congress, staff and authorized visitors. And in Los Angeles, police also say they are unaware of any specific threats but will increase police presence in Jewish and Muslim communities.
0: A staffer at the Israeli embassy in China was stabbed on the sidewalk in Beijing. A harrowing video captured moments of the brutal attack.
1: We want to warn you that the following footage is graphic and includes video of the stabbing.
0: Footage shows the diplomat being stabbed multiple times by a man in white. He managed to escape and the assailant limped away from the scene.
1: Another video shows the injured staffer lying in a pool of blood, with security standing near him.
0: Israel's Foreign Ministry said the diplomat was immediately rushed to a hospital and was in stable condition. The ministry said the attack didn't happen within the embassy compound itself, which is just one embassy over from that of the United States, and in an area with a number of other embassies and heavy police presence. An investigation into the attack is now underway. Jews in Israel and around the world are being advised to stay vigilant today after Hamas issued a call for a day of rage.
1: The attack came after Israel's foreign ministry expressed deep disappointment that Beijing didn't condemn Hamas's terrorist attack over the weekend.
0: Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Galant met with U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin today in Tel Aviv.
1: In a joint press conference, Austin said the Pentagon is ready to deploy more military aid to Israel.
5: The USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group is now in the region, led by the largest aircraft carrier in the world. We've augmented U.S. fighter aircraft squadrons in the Middle East, and the U.S. Department of Defense stands fully ready to deploy additional assets if necessary. So make no mistake. The United States will make sure that Israel has what it needs to defend itself. And Israel has a right to protect its people.
0: Austin said munitions, air defense capabilities and other equipment and resources were flowing rapidly to Israel.
1: Austin was also in the country to see firsthand some of the weapons and security assistance the U.S. has delivered. Washington was quick to send missile interceptors and other munitions to Israel in the first week of the war.
0: Defense officials said that Austin wants to reaffirm America's unwavering support. Austin's quick trip comes a day after U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken arrived in the region.
1: Blinken hopes to balance support for Israel while preventing the regional conflict from expanding.
0: Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is leading a bipartisan delegation of lawmakers to Israel this weekend.
1: In the trip announcement, Schumer's office said the Senate Majority Leader is the highest-ranking Jewish elected official in U.S. history.
0: The New York Democrats' office added that the trip is to show the United States, quote, unwavering support for Israel.
1: Delegates will meet with the new unity government, including Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Benny Gantz, as well as President Isaac Herzog.
0: The delegation will discuss with Israeli leaders what resources the United States can provide to support their efforts. Florida Congressman Corey Mills is back from his trip to Israel. The lawmaker and Army combat veteran found himself on another mission this week when he flew to the region Tuesday.
1: Mills crossed into Israel in a taxi from Jordan and evacuated 77 Americans by bus. This isn't the first time the lawmaker has stepped up.
0: Mills also rescued a number of Americans during the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan in 2021.
1: U.S. officials say at least 27 Americans have been confirmed dead. A number of Americans remain missing as Hamas continues to hold hostages in Gaza.
0: And getting out can be hard, as many commercial airlines canceled their flights to and from Israel. Washington is now helping, but not
1: without a cost. The State Department said, quote, starting Friday the U.S. government will arrange charter flights to assist U.S. citizens and their immediate family members.
0: A tourist from San Francisco stranded in Israel told ABC7 he received an email from the government. It says the U.S. will arrange either a flight or a ship. They will then travel to either Germany, Greece or Cyprus, not back to the U.S.
1: People will reportedly also have to pay the U.S. for the journey. NTD reached out to the State Department but didn't immediately hear back.
0: Meanwhile, the State Department also increased its travel advisory to Level 3. It urges Americans to reconsider travel to Israel amid the war.
1: A travel advisory for Gaza remains at Level 4, meaning do not travel.
0: The U.S. warns attacks can happen without any warning in either one of those places. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he's sending chartered planes to Israel to evacuate Floridians trying to leave Israel.
1: The presidential candidate made the announcement during a trip to New Hampshire.
2: We're leading in Florida. I just signed an executive order. We're going to be sending our own planes and we're going to be bringing people right to back to Florida. Yeah.
0: The governor's office says the executive order allows Florida to carry out logistical, rescue and evacuation operations to keep its residents
1: safe. DeSantis, in the order, says that more than 20,000 Americans, including Floridians, who want to get home from Israel, aren't able to.
0: He said the Division of Emergency Management will handle recovery plans for Floridians in Israel.
1: DeSantis also declared a state of emergency in Florida due to the many Jewish people living there.
0: Meta says it's taking steps to tackle disinformation from Hamas on its platforms after the European Union reprimanded social media companies for not doing enough.
1: Misleading claims and doctored images have spread on Facebook and other social media.
0: Meta said it has removed or marked as disturbing more than 795,000 pieces of content. The tech giant is also temporarily expanding its violence and incitement policy.
1: Content that clearly identifies hostages taken by Hamas is being taken down, but blurred images of victims are still allowed.
0: Meta says it's to prioritize the safety and privacy of kidnapping victims.
1: Meta also said it was aware of Hamas's threats to broadcast footage of the hostages. The company vowed to remove such content and prevent copies from being reshared.
0: House Republicans are concerned that a former special envoy to Iran compromised classified information.
1: The House Foreign Affairs Committee chair was on Fox News talking about special envoy Rob Malley. Take a look.
2: We tried to get him before my committee to testify, to brief us on Iran, uh, and he was basically AWOL. And then we found out that he was suspended without pay because he had uh, problems with his uh, security clearance. He had compromised classified information, uh, we think, with Iran. And now there's a wider investigation you know, into this. I,
0: I, you, know, you can't make this stuff up. This comes amid widespread belief that Iran trained and financed the recent attacks on Israel.
1: Republican Congressman Darrell Issa also commented on the former special envoy this week. He told the New York Post these reports could not be more concerning.
0: Mali was placed on unpaid leave in June amid a probe into his actions. When we come back, why didn't Israel intelligence know about the Hamas attack? A fellow from the Middle East Forum says it's understandable because they're always under attack. But there's one key sign they should know about.
1: And speculation over a lasting solution to the Israel-Palestine conflict. A critic of the plans says they have already been tried and don't work. We learn about a different path forward after the break.
0: Welcome back. The Jerusalem Post confirmed yesterday that babies were decapitated and set on fire during Hamas's assaults on kibbutz.
1: And today's Daniel Monahan has testimony from witnesses who collected bodies. And please be warned, this content is very graphic.
0: The photographs and the descriptions from witnesses are unimaginable, and the story won't be easy to watch. Still, We feel it's essential to include in our reporting on the Hamas terrorist attacks. Here's the story.
6: Photos of the murdered babies were shown to U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and published by the Prime Minister's office on X. The CEO of Epoch Israel, Dor Levinter, spoke with Zaka Emergency Services personnel. Zaka is a unique unit that honors the dead and ensures a full Jewish burial for those who meet a sudden death. He describes some of the horrors they encountered, how parents were forced to watch their babies burned alive.
4: Yeah, so they they hang those babies with with their mom's bra. And um, some some kids, children, all ages with their heads cut off, Um, babies tied on a fence. Burnt alive, alive, um, with the parents uh, in front on the other side, also slaughtered. There is no other word, just slaughtered. But they tortured them before they died, watching their babies burnt alive. He says
6: other atrocities included a woman in a wheelchair burned to death outside her home. Terrorists fired dozens of bullets into an old grandma's head who tried to run away and hide beneath a house. The Epoch CEO says the Hamas terrorists invaded Israel with no human or political goals. Lavinter says claims that the Israeli army is trying to wipe out Gaza or wipe out the Palestinian
4: people are a complete lie. You cannot stand and just watch evil without doing anything. You cannot. So the Israeli army just saying, and the Israeli leaders are saying, there is only one way to treat evil, and it is to destroy it. That's it.
6: Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: Why didn't Israel see the Hamas attack coming? We speak with Cynthia Farahat about what she considers the biggest warning sign, silence. She's a fellow at the Middle East Forum and author of The Secret Apparatus, The Muslim Brotherhood's Industry of Death. Cynthia Farahat, thank you for joining us. A senior leader from Hamas's exiled leadership said that Hamas has been planning this attack for two years. What does this tell us?
7: Uh, This tells us uh, exactly what I have been warning against, uh, that the Muslim Brotherhood secret apparatus which directs their military offshoots, such as Hamas, al-Qaeda and ISIS, are more dangerous at a so-called time of peace than they are at a time of war.
0: And what indicates that for you?
7: their own words I have written a book uh the Muslim uh, bro- about the Muslim Brotherhood called the secret apparatus the Muslim Brotherhood's industry of death and in their own words the secret apparatus bylaws that during the time of so-called peace or the, when they are not engaged in uh, direct violence uh this time is when they uh, uh, cooperate and conspire to do the worst types of attacks. That is according to their own words, not my conspiracy theory. So the silence for the past two years should have been a, a very, very alarming indication that they are planning something huge.
0: That's right. And the same leader spoke about how they were actually trying to make it look like they were governing their country. And just going about things as business as usual while they were actually planning for this attack secretly. How did the Israeli intelligence miss this?
7: Uh, They have missed it because, so they have missed it, in my opinion, because they're always under attack. So the the problem is when you are, like, for example, I used to get 50 to 100 death threats a day. Um, When you get to this amount of threats, sometimes you do not understand which one are serious and which one are not. Um, So I completely understand why it was missed, but at the same time, there should have been vigilance because historically, and according to their own words and their own admissions, when they are not engaging in direct warfare, they are conspiring to perpetrate something that is absolutely massive.
0: I wanted to ask, We're talking about all this effort and planning they've been putting into this attack, but it it seems like they did all this for just one single day of murdering Israeli citizens.
7: Yes. uh, And also because this is something I discuss also uh, deeply, because they are obsessed with ritualistically repeating history. Uh, The point of this attack was to mimic the attacks, uh, the Egyptian attacks against Israel, 1973, on October 6. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood sometimes falls victim to its own propaganda. Uh, they still believe that they won the Yom Kippur War, because they took Israel by surprise. They forget that Israel was 100 kilometers away from Cairo, and that is why President Sadat had to capitulate. and. Uh, signed the peace treaty with Israel. So they forget they were obsessed by waging the war, but they forgot that it was not finished the way they wanted it to be finished.
0: Cynthia, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this extremely important and pressing issue. Thank you so much, Cynthia Farahad. Calls for an Israel-Palestine solution that's already in place, according to Jonathan Tobin, editor-in-chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, foreign policy establishment voices are already calling for a two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict after the dust settles in Israel's war on Hamas. He says the problem with that is that we already have a two-state solution. How so? Let's hear from him. Jonathan Tobin, thank you for joining us. The Israeli army is bar none in the Middle East. Already we're hearing talk about what should be done when Israel wins its war on Hamas. You've said whatever happens, a two-state solution is is not really the answer here. Explain the two-state solution and why it won't work. Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because Israel hasn't entered Gaza yet to
3: take down Hamas. And the debate right now is whether it will be allowed allowed in the long run. But I did jump ahead to ask the question whether after the smoke is, uh, is lifted, after, after this is, after the fighting is done, the United States will begin a new diplomatic offensive to try to do something uh, to make this not happen again. And a lot of people are already talking about a two-state solution. A two-state solution means an pal- independent Palestinian state alongside Israel. Two states were two peoples, coexistence, peace, sounds great. Why is it not such a great idea? Because we actually have a two-state solution right now. For the last 16 years, Hamas has governed, governed Gaza as an independent Palestinian state in all but name, because, in 2005, Israel withdrew every Israeli soldier, settler, and settlement. We have had this, and what happened was a terrorist state.
0: Now also, Jonathan, MSNBC personality and president emeritus of the Council on Foreign Relations Richard Haas has said, Hamas can't be eliminated because it represents an ideology as much as an organization. What's your response to that? Plenty of ideologies have been eliminated.
3: Nazism is an ideology. It was eliminated. Um, Normally, I'm very down on Nazi analogies, because they tend to be used too much and inaccurately. You know, lately in America, everybody I don't like is Hitler is the rule. When it comes to Hamas, after what we've seen in the last week with these unimaginable atrocities, yes, the analogy works. The way to defeat Hamas is the same way we've defeated the Nazis, to defeat them absolutely, to convince the Palestinian people they have to give up this war.
0: As noted by many geopolitical experts in the past, Israel has restrained its retaliation to Hamas, like you were saying before, um, calling to resolve things peacefully um, and prioritize the safety of Gaza's citizens. Is Israel likely to bow to those calls this time around if they, if the support for their war starts to wane? Well, it has every other time it's been forced into a conflict with Hamas
3: and Gaza. This is not the first time this is the fifth time that Israel has been forced into a conflict with Hamas in Gaza, and each time the international community came down very hard on Israel to make it stop before Hamas was eliminated. But it's different this time. The atrocities that have just we've just witnessed, seen on social media, the, these awful images, the slaughter of 1,300 Jews, the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. The Israeli people will demand nothing less than elimination of this threat. And, honestly, they don't care what Europe says, and they may not care even what Joe Biden says if he changes his tune from one of complete support to saying stop. If he cares about Israel, if he cares about stopping terror, if he actually cares about peace, he'll say, finish the job.
0: Jonathan Tobin, thank you so much. Up next, a new welfare program reportedly on the way for millions of illegal immigrants. It would include food, housing, and more.
1: And a former IRS contractor pleads guilty to leaking former President Trump's tax returns. Trump's attorney responds. We'll have the details soon when we return.
0: THANK YOU FOR STAYING WITH US. THE HOUSE ENTERS ITS 10TH DAY PARALYSED WITHOUT A SPEAKER. SCALISE DROPPED OUT, LEAVING REPUBLICANS WITH NO CHOICE BUT TO VOTE ON ANOTHER NOMINEE.
1: NTD'S MELINA WISEKOP JOINS US LIVE FROM THE CAPITOL. WILL THE REPUBLICANS GATHERED HERE THIS MORNING? MELINA, HOW'S IT GOING?
8: HI, STEPH. HI, CHRIS. Yeah, it's going good here. It feels like Groundhog Day here in Congress, though. We're in the exact same position that we were at two days ago, where Republicans are meeting uh, behind closed doors this morning. They met for an organizational meeting before coming back later this afternoon for a candidate forum to hopefully get closer to electing a new nominee after Steve Scalise couldn't get the votes. He won about 113 during the internal meeting and didn't move much beyond that throughout this week. So now they're having to choose someone else. Here's what Scalise had to say just last night after dropping out. Take a look.
9: I just share with my colleagues that I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for the speaker-designee. If you look at over the last few weeks, if you look at where our conference is, there's still work to be done. Uh, Our conference still has to come together and is not there. Uh, There are still some people that have their own agendas. I think we'll
0: get 217 votes. (laughs)
8: So right now we're waiting to see who, what all candidates will actually be joining this race. Right now it's looking like Jim Jordan, the chairman of the judiciary, who was originally in this race against Scalise, is, appears to be the main candidate emerging right now. There could be others, but some are skeptical of Jordan saying, telling us earlier that they feel that he just doesn't have enough experience to take that position. But what's important to note is that other key players, such as Congressman Kevin Hearn, who was originally considering this position, is supporting Jordan, along with Speaker, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He's also on board with Jordan. Here's what McCarthy told me just moments ago. Sir, are you endorsing Jim Jordan? I think Jim Jordan make a great speech,
3: So I'm optimistic that there are really good people who could get the support of the conference. Sir,
8: are there a good number of members uh, that feel the same as you do, that Jordan just doesn't have the I experience?
1: I don't know. And so why So there you is have it. There
8: are some who are still. No, Sorry, go over ahead to you, Melina. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, there you have it. You just heard there are some who are still skeptical of Speaker Jordan, but also maybe with the support from these key players like former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, it could help Jordan shore up the votes he needs. Remember, Jordan only had 99 votes earlier this week during that internal vote. He needs 217, so we will be looking at this dynamic as we move forward here. Republicans will be returning in just a few short minutes at about 1 o'clock for that candidate
1: forum. Steph? Great. Thanks, Melina. New updates on the United Auto Workers' strike, UAW Chief Sean Fain updated members earlier this morning.
0: Here with us live is NTD business host Don Ma. Don, give us the highlights of what he said. Don, give us the highlights of what he said. Yeah,
10: Chris. Uh, So Fain said today that they're actually entering a new phase of striking. Um, So for the first time since the strike began last month, uh, uh, Fain said that potential future expansion of strikes will not just be limited to Fridays anymore. Um, This is a first. He says that expansion of strikes could happen at any time now. Um, but as for today, he did not announce increasing strikes. But still, you know, just recently, uh, the United Auto Works has shut down Ford's biggest plant in the world. That was on Wednesday.
1: So, Don, why is Fain not waiting for Fridays for strike expansions anymore?
10: You know, Steph, I think the reason for this, uh, from what I heard earlier this morning from Fain, is that He doesn't want to wait. Uh, He he doesn't want to give the big three extra time. Uh, If he sees an offer uh, from the big three that he doesn't like, he will expand the strike immediately. He doesn't want to have a pattern for them. Uh, He wants to be unpredictable for the automakers. So he's going to announce strikes uh, with very little notice. And personally, I think shortening the amount of time between strike expansion uh, can get them offers quicker uh, because It can make negotiations potentially go faster, and this could also save the UAW money from the strike fund, which is finite, by the way.
0: And Don, with the strike at Ford's biggest plant, how many UAW members are on strike in total?
10: Uh, so it's about 22 percent of the around 150,000 UAW workers uh, at the Detroit Three Automakers uh, that are on strike. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, around uh, 20, uh, 32 to 33,000 workers off the job in total. Um, and I, as I mentioned earlier, around 8,700 union members at Ford's biggest plant were called to walk out on Wednesday. And that, that was a big hit for Ford because its Kentucky truck plant is its most profitable operation. It generates uh, around $25 billion annually, which is a sixth of the company's uh, global automotive revenue. Uh, this plant builds uh, Ford Super Duty pickup trucks, uh, the Lincoln Navigator, and Ford's uh, Expedition large SUVs.
1: And what was Ford's reaction to that?
10: Well, Ford said uh, the decision from Fain uh, was grossly irresponsible, but you know, it seems like the company wasn't surprised given that Fain has said that his strategy was to keep the Detroit Three wounded for months through reputational damage and industrial chaos. Now, the reason why Fain called to strike on this plant uh, of Ford's uh, was because he demanded a new offer, but Ford did not give him one. Um, A senior Ford executive said the company is actually at the limit of what it can spend on higher wages and benefits for the United Auto Workers. Um, The auto workers have more than doubled initial wage hike offers and even agreed to raise wages along with inflation and have given improved pay for temporary workers. But you know, it seems like the, the union just still want higher wages
0: despite all that. All right. Thank you very much, Don. Thank you. A new report shows how many known immigrants are in the U.S. The numbers are up dramatically since Trump was president.
1: The Biden administration reportedly plans a new program to benefit millions of illegal immigrants.
0: Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, is reportedly tracking 5.7 million illegal immigrants currently in the U.S. That's 2.4 million more than before Biden became president.
1: The New York Post has learned that the Release and Reporting Management program now plans to provide for those immigrants. The program would provide legal assistance, medical services, food and clothing banks, housing and more.
0: A former ICE director told the Post the program would cost billions and essentially be a welfare program. California wants to borrow over six billion dollars to tackle homelessness. The money would change the state's mental health system and address California's worsening homelessness crisis.
1: The state's voters are going to make the final decision on that when filling out their 2024
0: The $6 billion would go towards 11,000 new treatment beds, housing and over 26,000 outpatient treatment slots. The plan would serve up to 100,000 people a year.
1: The proposals would also give the state $2.4 billion in the next five years to help train 65,000 workers.
0: California has over 170,000 homeless people, which accounts for 30% of the nation's homeless population. Californians will vote on the two proposals in March. And a lawsuit in Minnesota regarding voters' information.
1: The DMV collects various personal information on people. A 1994 law restricts the disclosure and use of personal information found in state motor vehicle databases. Yet
0: since 2014, Minnesota has been giving this information to the Electronic Registration Information Center, or ERIC. That's to maintain the state's voter registration records.
1: Prosecutors now say this practice violates the 1994 law. They're asking the state to stop sharing DMV data with ERIC.
0: A former IRS contractor pleaded guilty to leaking former President Trump's tax returns.
1: Prosecutors say Charles Littlejohn sent Trump's tax returns and other data to two media outlets that then published articles using that information.
0: Littlejohn was also accused of stealing tax information on thousands of the wealthiest people in the U.S.
1: He pleaded guilty in a D.C. courtroom Thursday to the one count of disclosing tax information.
0: The contractor's crime affected so many individuals that prosecutors plan to create a public website to notify the victims of any developments in the case.
1: A Trump attorney wants the maximum jail sentence for little John. When you see how differently people are treated, it's it's wrong, and there's no place for it. One felony count
5: for releasing a sitting president's and candidate's tax returns months before an election to the New York Times. We just learned that inside. And then releasing thousands of other people's tax returns a year later There's no place for that. And this guy has one felony charge with a maximum of five years. Let's see if he gets that maximum.
0: Alina Haba gave a victim impact statement at Little John's plea hearing.
1: A sentencing hearing for Little John has been scheduled for January 29th. And now some short headlines from around the world.
0: The U.S. imposed the first sanctions on tankers carrying Russian oil priced above the G7's price cap of $60 a barrel, one in Turkey and one in the United Arab Emirates. The G7 in Australia imposed the cap last year. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Wednesday said the price cap was critical to impose severe costs on Russia for its war in Ukraine.
1: Kyrgyzstan hosted a summit of the Commonwealth of Independent States today. The group of former Soviet republics met in the capital, Bishkek. The presidents of Azerbaijan, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan all attended the meeting. Russian President Vladimir Putin traveled to the Central Asian nation as well. It was his first foreign trip since the International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for him in March. Kyrgyzstan is not a member of the court.
0: The UK and the European Union are close to making a deal on tariffs for electric vehicles. Following Brexit, EVs would be subject to a 10% tariff starting next year, unless 45% of their value comes from the UK or Europe. The tariffs could potentially be postponed for two years as part of the negotiations.
1: Today the British-led joint expeditionary force met on the Swedish island of Gotland leaders from 10 countries attended the gathering. Their discussions included security issues such as support for Ukraine. Recent damage to an underwater gas pipeline and a telecommunications cable connecting Finland and Estonia was on the agenda.
0: A word of caution from the EU's foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, called on Beijing to address economic and trade imbalances. He said failing to do so could lead Europe to speed up de-risking from China. During a speech at Peking University, Burrell emphasized the importance of finding common ground in economic ties with China. Burrell said European elections are one year away, and trade issues with China will be a key topic at that time. Burrell is visiting China for three days to discuss trade, Ukraine and human rights. Brussels has dubbed China an economic competitor and rival. However, both sides are determined to resume dialogue.
1: German police say at least seven people were killed after a suspected human smuggler lost control of a van on Friday. The accident occurred on the A94 motorway east of Munich. The van was carrying 22 migrants, including children, plus the driver. Police said the remaining passengers sustained mild to severe injuries and were brought to nearby hospitals.
0: Coming up, the Powerball ticket worth $1.7 billion still unclaimed. But the store that sold the winning ticket is happily enjoying a bonus anyway.
1: And get ready for a glimpse of a ring of fire solar eclipse this Saturday. NASA plans to conduct some scientific experiments as well. More shortly here on NTD News Today.
0: Staying with us, if you sell a winning Powerball ticket, you could get a million-dollar bonus. Well, if the winning ticket is a near-record $1.7 billion, that is.
1: The owners of the California store where it was sold are certainly celebrating. They were presented with a bonus check of one million dollars yesterday.
0: One of the co-owners already has a plan on how to use his share for his family.
2: What do I do, I uh, said I, I only get half of the money. Uh, the other half goes to my brother. I want to make sure. <laughs> I want to make sure my kids have enough funds for the college.
0: The winning ticket was sold at Midway Market and Liquor Store, located in the mountain community of Fraser Park, 75 miles northwest of Los Angeles.
1: The winner, who still hasn't come forward, won the second-largest lottery jackpot in history.
0: He or she has the option to receive the estimated jackpot in 30 yearly payments or take a lump sum payment of approximately 775 million dollars.
1: i sure you guys all want to know about the winner. We won't know who that person is or maybe it's a group of friends or family members who played together until they come forward. So once that happens, which they have a year to do, THEN WE BEGIN WHAT WE CALL THE CLAIMS PROCESS. THAT PERSON BECOMES A CLAIMANT AND THEY AREN'T THE WINNER UNTIL WE'VE THOROUGHLY VETTED THE CLAIM, LOOKED CLOSELY AT THE TICKET. THAT IS THE KEY TO WINNING THE MONEY IS THAT billion, 1.7 BILLION DOLLAR TICKET.
0: THE CALIFORNIA LOTTERY SPOKESWOMAN SAID ONLY SOMEONE WHO HAS THE ACTUAL TICKET CAN CLAIM THE PRIZE MONEY, SO THE HOLDER MUST ENSURE ITS UTMOST SAFETY.
1: Wow, incredible. I wonder who that is out there.
0: Right, I, I can't even imagine uh, all the people just scrambling <laughs> throughout their house right now.
1: Yeah, to check. You, you better make sure that you hold on to your tickets, right?
0: Right, exactly. Well, I would probably not be as careful as I should be. I mean, I um, kind of misplace things here and there, actually.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: All right. Parts of America will have a chance to catch a solar eclipse this Saturday.
1: The moon won't completely block out the sun, which will create a ring of fire effect for viewers on Earth.
0: NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details.
9: This Saturday, millions in the Western Hemisphere will be able to experience an annular solar eclipse. The phenomenon occurs when the moon passes between the sun and the Earth. Because the moon is at its furthest point from our planet, it won't completely block out the sun. The result is called the ring of
6: fire effect. It appears a little bit smaller in the sky than the sun and can't quite cover the entire sun. But what will happen is, for some people, they'll see the dark side of the moon completely surrounded by the bright rim of the sun, the ring of fire, they call it.
9: NASA plans to conduct some scientific experiments at the same time. We have a, a, a triple launch. We're launching a, one rocket just before, one during, and then one right after the, the peak eclipse. And they're going to be looking at the, the temperature of the atmosphere. They're going to be measuring the, the contents of the ionosphere. The sun will never be completely covered, so observers are advised to wear proper eye protection. Jeremiah Letta is ready.
6: We had previously traveled to follow the eclipse. The last time we went was in South Carolina. And we went to South Carolina to capture the eclipse, to photograph the eclipse. I photographed lunar eclipse. So we always try and follow uh, big events.
9: This Saturday's eclipse is just part one for stargazers in North America. On April 8, 2024, a total solar eclipse will be passing over Mexico, the U.S., and Canada.
6: What drives us is it gives us a destination. So if there's an event, I'm, I'll find any event. So this happens to be the solar eclipse. So I say, let's go make a plan, a trip for this event. And then our whole vacation encompasses that one event.
9: NASA says after April 8th's total solar eclipse, the next viewable total solar eclipse in the U.S. won't be until 2044. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Getting your life and home a little more organized can be energizing and uplifting. Let's get some tips. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
5: Cleaning, organising and decluttering are a form of self-care. These activities can help you to feel settled and like you're taking care of your life. Yes, cleaning and organising can be overwhelming and are often avoided. But if you take a small corner to tidy up and let yourself just enjoy the cleaning, you can get lost in it. It feels nice to make things nicer. Yes, there's always more to do, but that's a disempowering way to think. Why does it matter that there will always be more to do? That just means there's more self-care available. Just do a small portion right now and enjoy it. A good analogy is that there will always be more tea to drink. I focus on a single cup of tea at a time and fully enjoy it. As you clean, you might feel things getting cleaner. As you organize, you might feel like you're making lasting progress toward an improved living space. And as you declutter, you might feel the liberation that comes with shedding excess items. We can extend the self-care of cleaning and organization into every part of our lives. You can also organize your finances, fix little things around the house. Delete a bunch of apps from your phone, turn off a lot of notifications to simplify your phone experience, unsubscribe from a bunch of newsletters and clean out your email inbox. You can think of taking a task from your task list as a form of self-care. It can be overwhelming and dreadful, or it can be nourishing and lovely. It's a choice, and I choose to feel the care that I bring to every sweep of the broom or rake.
0: Every day is a good day to celebrate the nation's service members, but today is extra special.
1: Because it's the U.S. Navy's actual birthday, observed every year on October 13th.
0: It was on this day in 1775 that the Continental Congress green-lighted the first U.S. naval force. That makes today the Navy's 248th birthday.
1: According to nationaldaycalendar.com, the Continental Navy had just two ships and a crew of 80 men at the time of its inception. Today it has more than 340,000 active duty personnel and upwards of 71,000 reservists.
0: That's all for today's news. Thank you for tuning in today.
1: Feel free to reach out to us with news tips or feedback at news.today at ntd.com.
0: We'll be back with more stories tomorrow. Music